What is going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another quick episode of the Bird's Eye View. You know, Giants played Thursday night. Wanted to give a quick little recap of the game, my thoughts, and then have next week's episode just really be focusing on all those other games. Uh, so that way I'm not dedicating like half an episode to the Giants, having an episode drag on too long. Uh, anyways, like a game pretty much went how I expected against the 49ers. I mean, we lose 30 to 12. Uh, I think I said my final score prediction was going to be 30 to seven. And I mean, honestly, I, it could have even went a little better than I thought we hung around there. I mean, no Andrew Thomas, no Brett, no Ben Bredersen, no Saquon Barkley. You can't expect the offense to do much. Hell, we had Shane Lemieux starting. Shane Lemieux, you know, Giants fans, I'm sure, you know, you hear that name. It sounds like that's a goat. You hear a ghost. In fact, uh, I was at the liquor store yesterday just getting a couple beers so I can have before the game. Uh, I knew it was going to be a long game, so I'm like, yeah, better stack up on a on six-pack or two. And I see this guy at the liquor store, and he's like, do you think we have a chance? I'm like, well, I just saw Shane Lemieux starting. This guy, I mean, he looked like he just heard a ghost name when I heard Shane Lemieux, and he's like, Shane Lemieux? Ah, shit, I'm going to get something stronger. And, yeah, so it was just one of those games. I mean, last time Shane Lemieux was starting a game, fans weren't allowed in Giant Stadium. We had to wear masks everywhere. That's the last time Shane Lemieux was starting a game. Like, but then, again, like, you couldn't expect to do much, and it still just is frustrating watching this offense. I mean, the first drive, honestly, I will say, went decently well. Looked like there was pretty good play calling. We're getting decent pocket protection for Daniel Jones, uh, making some plays. And then Gary Brettwell has a drop, and right after that drop, that's a drive killer, and we lead a field goal. Now, look, I, I can't be too upset about getting three on the first drive against that 49ers defense with the Patrick offensive line we had. But, like, that's a game you can't be making any mistakes if you want to win that game, and that's just a mistake the Giants couldn't afford to make. Uh, I will say though, there is one thing about this offense I didn't get. Why the hell were the Giants not attacking deep this game? What got one of the things that got them back in the game last week was taking deep shots, specifically the two deep shots to Jalen Hyatt, which set up touchdowns. Look, I get it. This offensive line was horrible. It probably wasn't going to hold up for the Giants to develop that deep. Uh, to develop a deep passing play, but come on, at least try it. Like Jalen Hyatt has game-changing speed. You weren't going to do anything with against the 49ers with these little underneath, dink, dink, and dunk, five, five-yard passes that are coming out in one second. It just wasn't going to happen. I get Daniel Jones didn't have time in the pocket. I get that, you know, the, it was a Patrick offense, patchwork offensive line, but do something other than just like simple route concepts. Take a deep, take a deep shot, Giants. I mean, come on. It was just so basic, so boring, so boring to watch. It felt like watching a lot of the games last season where they were just playing conservatively, playing playing not to lose. Uh, and I was just, just so annoying. Oh, speaking of bad play calling also, like there was the one play where we decide to do a play action pass right into Nick Bosa. First off, like there was, it looked like there was nobody – you had Daniel Bellinger, a tight end assigned to block Nick Bosa. And it was just a weird formation where Bellinger wasn't even like bunched up in the offensive line. He was lined up sort of outside. And he was tasked to, first off, come in at a horrible angle to block Bosa. 
And you can't trust Daniel Bellinger to block him. I mean, a lot of the time it looked like it was him and Neil throwing double teams onto Bosa, which limited his impact. Um, but hey, like, as well as you look at the statue, you see, oh, wow, Daniel Jones didn't get sacked a ton. It's not because the line played great. It was just we had to get the ball out. Like, we were designing plays to get the ball out so he wouldn't be getting hit much. Also, can we just stop coddling Daniel Jones at this point? I see too many Giants fans saying, what do you expect him to do? No offensive line. What do you expect him to do? No weapons. You, you Again, I was – we were paying him $40 million a year. Well, whatever. Whatever the hell the contract works. I'm so sick of Daniel Jones just – I'm just so sick of all the coddling, man, all the excuses for him. And I get that today's offensive line was horrible and that you were going up against arguably the best defensive front in football. But what are we – I mean, just – he just – at that point with Daniel Jones, there's some throws he has to make. I know Kirk Herbstreit on the broadcast was blaming Darren Waller for not catching that pass. Darren Waller's a 6'5 target, and Daniel Jones is throwing that way too high. Waller was open. Jones should be throwing that right in his chest and leading him. At that point, you're down 11, crucial third down. Once we don't get that, the game was essentially over. Uh, two things could be true. Right now, Daniel Jones has, like, nothing around him in terms of offensive line, in terms of weaponry. But also, like, he has to be he has to be better. He has to make those throws. Yeah, he was great in the second half last week against San Francisco. But consistently, against the best defenses in primetime games, Daniel Jones has failed to show up, and it's starting to get very frustrating. Like, again, I, you guys know I was never like, he's the savior. He's the greatest quarterback. He's not top. He's, not to, he's top 10. I wasn't one of those Giants fans that immediately – even after last season, jumped on the Danny Dimes as a top 10 bag bandwagon. Danny Dimes is elite. I was a little hesitant to give him that contract. And hell, I, just, I, still, I still don't love it. I didn't love it coming into the year, but I was going to believe in this front office and be like, you know what, he's my franchise quarterback at least for the next two, most likely three years, unless they t- unless he's bad enough where it warrants, take, where it warrants a $22, $22 million dead cap hit. Uh, I mean, stop with the excuses, dude. The pocket, that was one of the few plays you had a clean pocket and you failed to hit Waller. And that doesn't mean I'm absolving Waller of any blame. Like, Waller, you got to bring that in, man. You came in to be this team's number one receiver and you haven't been that. Now, you made some plays last week against Arizona. Don't get me wrong, uh, especially in the second half. But Darren Waller was pretty bad. There was a lot of low effort plays. There's the one play that was, Overall, a pretty good play by the defender, but he was letting he was waiting for the ball to come to his chest rather than trying to you know make a high effort play, reach out for the ball. Uh, there's the one play where it hits his hand and it gets intercepted. Uh, that's now the third pass this year that Daniel Jones has had intercepted off a receiver's hands. Again, that's part of the people coddling. People are saying that the coddle DJ, but like some of those plays are better off getting thrown away. Oh my god! I mean, it's just it's just frustrating, man. And then I can go on and on about the offense, but at the end of the day, what was the offense supposed to do that game? Down, down their two best players. You're just not going to beat. You're not going to beat arguably the best team in the NFL when you're down your two best players. Probably the best defense in the NFL, especially now that Trayvon Diggs is lost for the year. Down your two best players on offense. It just was not going to work out that way. If the Giants were going to win this game. They were going to need to get some plays on the de- – they were going to have to rely on the defense to make some plays. And once again, the Giants' defense just failed to make plays. 
Now, they got some decent stops on first and second down. But third down was a killer for this Giants team. San Francisco converts 9 to 16 on third down. And to be honest, it felt like a lot more. I think some of those, you know, I think a lot, I think at one point it was, they got three on the first drive and then the Giants held them that field goal. Uh, they got, I think that one point in the first half, they were, I think in the first half, they were seven of nine. So I guess the Giants cleaned up on it a bit in the second half, but I wouldn't really consider much of it cleaning up, especially. At that point, the game was out of reach. Uh, I mean, it was just awful. There was poor tackle. I mean, well, there was a poor tackling efforts on those third downs, missed coverages, penalties. Every single third down was getting picked up. I mean, almost, I felt like almost every single third down was getting picked up for San Francisco. And I guess the pass rush was a little better. Like, we did get two sacks. Granted, one of them was, like, sort of a free lane where no one was open. And it was like a give me sack. It was like a, it was more of a coverage sack that Kayvon Thibodeau had. You know, I know there was a lot of criticism about him, and Kayvon's really, really starting to piss me off, especially with the comments he made about the fans this week in the media. Uh, I'm not gonna praise him for his coverage sack at all. Uh, again, like, and even when we, you know, there was some pressure, but when we were blitzing, like, those blitzes allowed the 49ers to pick up the the. Two third downs with screen passes. The Giants' pass rush isn't very good. They don't have guys who are fast enough to keep up with San Francisco. So when they're setting the house on a third and long, San Francisco is easily able to pick up first downs with the screen of Debo Samuel, pick up first downs with the screen of Christian McCaffrey. We just don't have the guys who are athletic enough to compete with the guys on in San Francisco. And hell, like, it wasn't even just those guys killing us. Kittle was making plays against McKinney. Ronnie Bell caught a touchdown. Their seventh-round pick. I mean, it was seventh round, the seventh round there, and the Giants were getting beat. There's, There was just nothing this defense can do consistently. I mean, the, the runs – I also don't get what we're doing with these defensive line rotations, man. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams were out – well, one or both of them were off the field on way too many plays. DJ Davidson should not be playing this many snaps. Watching that game, I kept wondering, what are these defensive line rotations? What are these defensive line rotations? And honestly, like, I want to see if – uh, Dan Duggan tweeted out the snap count yet because I know he tends to do that, uh, you know, the day after games. Because I'm very curious what our what the snap count was for our guys on the defensive line. I do not see the snap count yet from Dan Duggan, but uh, it just felt like one or two of those guys were out on the field, were off the field for a lot of plays, which you can't be having. Leonard Williams had a really good game. There was a lot of good plays Leonard Williams made. One of the few guys on the defensive line, but it felt like when he was off the field and they saw Ashawn Robinson, we invested so much in this defensive line in the offseason. Ashawn Robinson, Nacho Nunez, and neither guy was effective when they were on the field, especially if it was one of them with Dex, if it was one of them with Lenny. Hell, there was plays where it was both of them. DJ Davidson, and credit to him because he did have a sack, was also on the field way too long. I mean, what are we doing? It's crucial downs where we have these guys in the field. And it's just, oh, and I, I get it. I get last year Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams played an obscene amount of snaps, an obscene amount of snaps, and, and part of signing those guys were to reduce th that workload. But I felt like the workload was getting reduced too much. And in a game where you have 11 days rest, you don't play till Monday night, I think you can afford to give Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams a ton of those snaps. Those guys were ineffective, man. And just part of a whole weaker problem with the run defense. It was just so <coughs> so many missed tackles. 
<laughs> it starts up there. It starts with a line of scrimmage playing good run defense. And the 49ers just were consistently getting to the second or the third level. And how, if it wasn't for Mike and McFadden and Bobby Okurike, uh the Niners would have broken off a lot of long runs because the secondary wasn't making many good tackles. Trey Hawkins and Zay, I mean, Trey Hawkins, it looked like any time they were running, was just getting destroyed on the block. Xavier McKinney, it looks like every time they're they're running the ball towards him, he's trying to strip the ball. No, it was really Okurike and Micah McFadden were the only guys in this defense who were really capable of stopping the run, uh, especially McFadden, man. Four tackles for a loss. He must, have, must have heard me getting after him last week because he responded with arguably the best game of his career, uh, which is good. And you know, going back, going back to McKinney, the safeties just suck in general. I mean, I feel like I didn't see Dane, not that Dane Belton's any special player, but I feel like I barely saw Dane Belton on the field. At this point, you know, I was excited about Jason Pinnock. I thought Pinnock, I thought he could be a solid player for this team, but he just isn't. Uh, he takes horrible angles. Uh, you know, you look at the one play where the one screen where they get picked up on third and 15. He gets a horrible angle going after Debo Samuel, gets the double block essentially. Uh, and then from there, like pretty much runs in that block, which allowed Debo to pick up the first down and more. And that was just horrible from him. Uh, Xavier McKinney, man. I mean, I don't get what is up with that guy. It's his contract year. You think in a contract year, he's going to want to ball out. He, he fired his agent and hired an agent from the, uh, the rep, uh, agency that represents most of the highest paid safeties in the league. So McKinney was definitely trying to chase that bag. Well, guess what, man? You are not playing like you deserve that bag. You're, you know, you are not even playing like you deserve the franchise tag. If, if the Giants franchise you after this season, you should take that money because you are not going to be able to command that much per year on the open market the way you're playing this season. I mean, his effort has been awful. His tackling form has been terrible. Whether it's going for the strip, whether it's you know not tackling high, it's just terrible effort, terrible play from McKinney. He's getting beat by George Kittle most of the game, much like the way he got beat last week by. As the corpse of Zach Ertz. I mean, it's you're you're supposed to be one of the leaders of this defense, dude. Step it up, McKinney. It's ridiculous. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. What 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 are the leaders of this defense in a contract year? And that's how you're coming out and playing. Like you're the one thing you're doing is you're making it easier for the making it easier decision for the Giants to not bring you back. But oh man, if we're going to the next year with Pinnock and Belt and a starting safeties, that's looking rough. I guess. I don't know what the hell we're going to do at McKinney. He needs to play better if the Giants want any chance at making the postseason. Uh, I mean, I literally think the best part of the defense has been the cornerbacks, and that's with the rookies, uh, Deontay Banks, with the with uh, Trey Hawkins starting. I mean, Deontay Banks has looked very good so far. He made a lot of good plays, stayed with Debo Samuel. on. A, I mean, obviously he got beat on a little bit. Ronnie Bell beat him for a touchdown. But, hey, that's rookie mistakes. For the most part, he's been a pretty good rookie. He's been pretty effective and mad. Uh, I like a lot what I'm seeing from Tay Banks thus far on the Giants. Uh, Trey Hawkins, he's just been okay. I mean, you've got to expect that from a sixth-round rookie. Uh, I'd like to see more from him, uh, especially getting, you know, getting beat deep, uh, getting beat in the middle of the – getting beat a lot in the middle of the field. He's, you know, middle – you know, when he, short routes on the sideline, he's good, but he's getting beat on those middle routes, getting beat on those deep routes, and just is not good in run defense. And even a Dory Jackson, man, he's just been okay. He got beat for a touchdown. I mean, for him, he's – the slot for him is really new. 
Uh, I mean, at this point, I said this yesterday during the game. I'm just ready to be done with Adoree Jackson. I mean, he got hurt. His contract is just too big for how much he's unavailable. I like him. <coughs> he's a good player, but I don't know, man. I just I don't see <coughs> any way he's back on the Giants next year. And just, you know, with his injury, with Tay Banks, who's supposed to be okay, forced, Corday, forced uh, Darnay Holmes into playing time, and it just reminded me, yeah, this is why Darnay Holmes doesn't get playing time. He is just horrible. I mean, see, seeing Darnay Holmes, seeing O'Shane Zimenez, seeing Shane Lemieux on the field together, or all those, those three guys in the field brought back serious PTSD. I mean, overall, like, horrible loss for the – I mean – Bad loss for the Giants, but it's a loss you kind of expected to happen. Uh, like again, you expect that loss to happen against San Francisco. They had to play a perfect game. They made mistakes. There were some calls from the ref that didn't go their way. Uh, and like they needed, like basically they were gonna need any break they can, whether that's forcing a turnover, whether that's a few calls going their way, whether that's uh, not dropping passes, and they just didn't do that. Uh, next week is the true test for this team. Uh, they're playing a, a Seattle team that's probably very similar to them in terms of talent level. They'll be at home. They'll be on 11 days rest. They'll have what should be their quote-unquote best offensive line. And Andrew Thomas, uh, Josh Azudu, JMS, Ben Bredersen, and Evan and Evan Neal at right tackle. So, yeah, uh, hopefully Aziz Ojulari is back. Next week will be a true test of and telling of what the Giants are as a team and what the rest of the season is going to be like. But, man, after what I've seen in the first three games, not very confident. I hope we can beat Seattle, man, uh, because they're very similar, not the best offensive line, haven't been great on defense in the first two games this year, uh, and will be on a lot of rest. Anyways, guys, I'm going to be back on Tuesday, or either Tuesday or Wednesday this week for a full, for a full recap of all the other games. Uh, all 15 games from Sunday and Monday. Thanks, everybody, for supporting the podcast. Remember, go follow the the Bird's Eye View podcast on Instagram for all my latest episode releases. Go follow Jay Bird's Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to news and games. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.